When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. MD Nation, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show at Belly Up MDFF Show on the live stream on your social media accounts or on YouTube to subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. And Chris, I know we always kick these shows off with breaking news around the NFL, but we have some breaking news of our own. Breaking news. The MD's Fantasy Football Show has made a switch. We are now a part, and proudly a part, of the Unhinged Radio Network, which you can find online, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We're going to be airing five times a week throughout the season to give you guys the best fantasy football advice that we can possibly give you. It's going to be on Sundays from 12 to 1, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., and on Tuesdays from 7 to 8 p.m. as well, Eastern Time. Chris, what do you think about that, man? I am super excited. Five days a week of MDs, that's awesome. Yeah, super happy. So here's how it's going to work. We'll be airing our episodes at those times for you guys to listen to on your drive homes, while you're cooking, while doing anything, and you can just put that in on the background. But 
Of course, we're always going to be streaming live, too, and that's going to continue during the season as well. Thursdays and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Nothing changes there. Again, on social media, at Show or on YouTube at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe. Of course, we'll be available to you guys on Saturday nights once the season kicks off because that's going to be our DFS contest along with Chaz Filardi joining the show from championshipfootballs.com from Sports Betting Weekly. And we're going to give you our best bets of the weekend and try to win you guys some money. That's going to be Saturday nights from 9.30 to 10.30. Then Sunday nights, we'll do a recap show. And then Tuesday mornings, will be available to you. We'll do the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire. So that's how that's all going to work. Now, the one thing we're still up in the air, we're still up in the air about as far as that Sunday and Tuesday show, if that's going to be getting streamed or if that's just going to be available on your favorite pod streaming app, which we're widely available to you on. Or we'll, And you can check us out, of course, those episodes on the Unhinged Sports Radio Network. That's how it's going to work. We'll keep you up to date. Make sure you follow us along on social media. Get those notifications up because we also have player notifications to go over for you guys, which now we can hit this button to uh, kick off our actual news segment. Breaking news. All right, Chris. There was actually a lot that, not a lot of injury news, but a lot that happened. I do want to kick it off with something that just came out uh, moments before the show started. Not serious news or anything like that, but DJ Moore is going to miss the rest of the day of practice. Had some back tightness yesterday, came out today, did a few reps, said it kind of tightened up on him again, so they're just taking him out. Precautionary, doesn't sound serious, and that goes hand-in-hand with the Robbie Anderson hamstring injury. Doesn't sound like that's going to be too serious either. He might miss the rest of this week of practice, but they expect him to be back by next week. Anything you're concerned about there? I mean, not yet. I think the only thing is, you know, working on the timing of Sam Darnold. We both, you know, aren't big fans of Sam Darnold, but do you think he needs to kind of get some reps with these receivers to be any do anything this year? So that's the only part I'm kind of a little bit concerned about. Um, he said both injuries seem to be minor, so we'll kind of play it by ear. Yeah, and actually, I forgot to kick off the show with this. Today's show, because I was so excited about the unhinged radio sports news, today's show is going to be the full point PPR once we get through the news segment, guys. So we're going to break down draft strategies and tips for you guys. We did standard half point the last two weeks, which you, you can go back and listen on your favorite pod streaming app and subscribe to that and get all of your, you know, those are the formats you play in. We, has a, we had a lot of great tips for you in those. And then now we're going to have the PPR mock today to help you guys out in that scoring format that's why we're so versatile here we're trying to help you out in every league that you're possibly in to help you guys win and we'll talk about our rankings and where we value some of these guys differently across the different formats as as needed uh we also have to talk about deshaun watson which is you know a regular thing somehow this guy keeps having new news developments every single week so last week i'm not sure we covered this in the show last week i think this came out just after we were live but uh, so there's going to be a grand jury supposedly about whether or not there is enough information from the 10 police complaints to the Houston Police Department about whether or not there should be any criminal charges. Also developing, which was, I believe, yesterday on Wednesday, the FBI is investigating if at least one of the women who are accusing Deshaun Watson is extorting him. So we have all that going on from both sides. Again, just a complete mess from the football side of things he's still not practicing as the Houston quarterback yeah and then we also the NFL basically seems that they're not really they haven't even questioned anybody yet or really involved both Sean Watson's lawyer and the complaints uh ladies who are complaining at the complaint I should say are filed um have said that nobody's reached out to them from the NFL and it just seems ridiculous right now well 
it, I think it's clear to me at this point, the NFL is just, they're just not going to do anything until something happens with the Justice Department. That's what's been abundantly, because if you haven't done it by now, then you are waiting for the court system to play out. Which, if that's the case, do two plus two math here, he's not going to get put on the exempt list. So I think we're really going to be faced with a situation where Houston is going to have a non-suspended Deshaun Watson and, what, still not playing a quarterback? Because he hasn't practiced all summer at the quarterback position with the ones. So I don't know what... Yeah, we talked about this last week. It, Houston would be completely dumb to not play him if he's available to play. But again, we're getting closer and closer to that point where it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. it's a pretty weird situation. You have a a franchise quarterback basically just coming to practice, but not practicing. Um, and then you have the Texans basically just, you know, he's here and that's all they kind of comment about it. So it's just really weird. I think that you, we see Tyrod Taylor's kind of has that job right now. And I don't understand how they're going to go into the season with, a, you know, basically a $35 million quarterback just sitting there on the sidelines. Who you want to trade. Guess what? Yeah. You don't play him. You know, you lose value on a guy. It doesn't make any sense from any angle, from a football standpoint. Now, Again, we're a fantasy football show. I'm not here to judge morality. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. That's what the Justice Department's for. That's what the NFL investigations are for. All we can do is from a football angle, you if you don't play Deshaun Watson, if he's not suspended, you're beyond dumb. You're a laughable organization, which is, I mean, that's the route that Houston looks like they've been setting themselves up for all summer long anyway. We'll get back to that. We'll actually have some more Houston stuff to talk about in a second. Uh, other news, I want to move to Rashad Bateman. It looks like he could start the season on the IR, but they're saying that he, they think he'll be back in September, so he probably will avoid the pup list. However, if you were hoping, like myself, that maybe Rashad Bateman would be a rookie who could break out for you later on the season, to me that delays that, and it delays it to the point where I don't know if I have too much confidence that 2021 is going to be Rashad Bateman year, even when he comes back healthy. Now, we'll see. It's a longer season. Sammy Watkins does tend to get hurt. Marquise Brown, we know he's not a number one guy, at least not in this offense. So there's still a pathway there. But I don't like it when rookies get off to this slow start. We've seen that we saw kind of last year with Denzel Mims, just never was able to quite get going because it took so long to get going. And you already have an offense that is low volume to begin with. Yeah, and then you also have, you know, a quarterback situation. Lamar Jackson was out with the whole COVID scare, and he basically hasn't really got any reps recently with Bateman. Uh, Bateman was you know, really lightened up before, but now that you know Lamar's back in practice, he has different receivers to kind of work to. And to your point, it's going to be kind of hard for these guys to get timing down as the season progresses and also kind of figure out whose role is what. It's just amazing to me that Sammy Watkins is the only healthy wide receiver, right? And even he got a little bit banged up a couple of days ago, but he seems to be fine now. He's the only healthy wide receiver of this group. Ravens spent all this time loading up at that position, and Sammy Watkins is the last man left standing, as far as the guys who are expected to start. Anyway, now you still have Tillon Wallace, Devin Duvernay, who we like, but more from a dynasty standpoint, still not expecting big things out of these guys as far as 2021 redraft goes. But I like the speed. I still, this doesn't change anything for me as far as Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins. If anything, it might boost Mark Andrews a little bit more. Uh, so it doesn't change anything as far as the main guys that you are going to be counting on from a fantasy football perspective anyway. I want to move to uh, if the regular season, I put down here a note, if the regular season would have started yesterday or last week, DeAndre Swift would have played. That's the report. Uh, Swift's actually expected back in practice today. They wanted him back in Tuesday. 
didn't actually happen, but Dan Campbell came out this morning, so they expect him to do some reps and some things today. So my point is this, the groin injury doesn't seem to be all that serious. I would be confident as of right now that he'll be fine come week one. Is there anything you're worried about with Swift? No, I mean, I kind of what you're saying, all the news is basically he should be, should be out there for week one. He could practice, you know, he could play if he needed to, in a sense. Um, I think that these reps aren't really something that are too important because he has been there for most of the offseason. Yeah, so I'm not worried about that. He's been falling in drafts, though. That's why it's a note to make. And some of it could be because, you know, it is a groin injury. People are worried about that. He's already a guy who has concussion issues. You're already kind of worried about him holding up over a 17-game season because of his build. I understand all that. This offense is going to run through DeAndre Swift between Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell being a run-first mindset right there, being that he's one of the best pass catchers they're going to have. It's, it's going to run through DeAndre Swift. He's still very much a high-end RB2 with me who has a ceiling that could push him into the top 12 if he goes off. To me, I mean, he reminds me of just a younger version of Alvin Kamara at this point. That's what I think you're looking at with a DeAndre Swift, potentially, even if Jamal Williams is involved to a significant degree. This offense is going to be so much based around that. And if you want to make the argument like, well, they're not going to be able to run the ball all the time because they have a crappy defense. They're going to have garbage time. Good. That plays the DeAndre Swift skill set even more as a pass catcher. Not worried about DeAndre Swift. If he continues to fall in drafts like he has third, fourth round, I start to see him go. Tremendous value in my mind. Talk about running backs. Chris, I'm going to kick this one to you. Miles Gaskin playing behind Malcolm Brown in the preseason game. The coaching staff talking about a three-way committee because Savant Ahmed actually looked like the best running back of the three during that game. What are you making out of this Dolphins backfield right now? How low or how far down do you think Miles Gaskin should or will drop? I think that Miles Gaskin should have a significant drop. I think a lot of people expect him to kind of be the featured back in that backfield in Miami. With the news coming out in the preseason game, basically – you're going to see it's going to be a three-man rotation, uh, a la what they kind of saw you kind of saw last year with the Rams. Um, you know, Malcolm Brown comes to kind of vulture the touchdowns in a short yardage. You have Ahmed being used in different situations, and there was comments coming out of different coaching staff talking about you know they like Gaskins, but he's a good change of pace back. Um, so the change of pace part has been concerning for a lot of fantasy listeners because that's something that you look at and you're like, well, that means you're going to get how many touches if you're just the change you know change of pace back. Are they going to be utilizing you and, you know, getting 15, 20 touches or are you just going to kind of be out there for maybe 8 to 12 touches? That's going to be a huge difference whether you, where you're drafting Miles Gaskin at. There's no way. And like I haven't updated my rankings yet. I'm waiting until after the second preseason game because I think we're going to see a lot of clarity. I think this preseason, week two of the preseason is going to be what was week three of the preseason and years before. We're going to see a lot of starters play. I think we're going to get more clarity on rotation. So I'm waiting until after this weekend to really update the rankings, which will be available to you guys, is available to you guys now on BellyUpFantasySports.com. Again, this is why you should be waiting until at least, at least week three of the preseason for your drafts, if not after that. But this is why. You got to get clarity on these situations. There's no way in my mind that anybody could look at Miles Gaskin and think they have a potential RB2 in their hands, even, even a low one. Uh, at best, in PPR leagues, I think he could be a flex play because I think this is going to wind up being a pass-first team. I really do, the way it's shaping up. So he might be relegated to the passing down role, but that could equal maybe four to five targets in the game, potentially, if they wind up being a pass-first team. So in PPR leagues, which we're going to be doing that mock today, I think he has flex potential. Otherwise, standard, half point, I don't know how many touchdowns this guy is going to score. I don't know how many carries this guy is going to get. 
it's the only thing going his way is that he's the only true pass catcher there because Malcolm Brown, I mean, he could pass block, but he's not really a pass catcher. And Savan Ahmed hasn't really proven to himself in that aspect of the game anyway. So Gaskin is going to be the one guy who doesn't go anywhere because he has a particular role, but his value drastically decreases with this news and what we saw in the preseason game. Moving on, Janu Smith has a low ankle sprain. They're not really concerned about it. He's not going to miss any time. He'll be fine for week one. Marlon Mack was able to get five carries in last week's preseason game. Chris, you and I both have been on the lower end, let's say, when it comes to Jonathan Taylor because we worry about the carousel that Frank Reich typically likes to employ in his running backs. Marlon Mack looked healthy. So does this confirm what we feared? Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it does. I'm still a Jonathan Taylor fan overall, but I think there's just insurance you should not be taking this guy in the first round. Um, you're going to have too many concerns between the pass catching of Hines and also Marlon Max vulturing some carries and some playing time. Um, I think that if Max healthy, we've seen this, we kind of seen this show before beginning of last year. It took Jonathan Taylor a long time to become that established RB1. Most of the time, most of the reason he became that guy was because of Marlon Max injury. So I think that this kind of muddles up the situation. I don't think Jonathan Taylor needs to fall out, you know, the fourth or fifth round or anything like that. But I do think it makes you pretty clear cut that he should not be a first rounder in my book. Well, yeah, I think for me, when I have Jonathan Taylor RB16, just just confirms where I had him ranked, what I was worried about, why I had him outside the top 12 to begin with. I know I'm one of the few who would do that, but you guys have to realize the coaching scheme here in this particular situation. Again, with you, love the offensive line, love Jonathan Taylor. I think the Colts offense in general might be better than people want to give it credit for, but he doesn't have the pass catching upside. That's still going to be mostly, at least more than 50% of the time, Naeem Hines. And if Marlon Mack stealing eight to 10 carries in a game, potentially six to eight, maybe if you want to be more generous that way, all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor getting the 20 touches in a game might prove to be difficult. And I think he's the type of running back who needs 20 touches in a game to be the best version of himself. So I think that's what I'm worried about there. Uh, Keelan Cole, he split time with Vincent Smith last week. You know what this meant to me? Because Elijah Moore was hurt. And uh, they expect him to be back sometime next week. This signals to me that I think Elijah Moore is actually already the wide receiver too because Vincent Smith and Keelan Cole were splitting time. What do you think? Um, I don't disagree with that. I think that Elijah Moore has got a, a big featured role coming ahead of him. I do think that they're kind of using and utilizing both those guys. The combination of the two probably provide a lot what he does in a sense. Um, you have the kind of the speed in Smith and you kind of emulate the ability to play the slot with, um, with Cole. So I think you're kind of seeing a combination of them kind of using both players in a sense to kind of fill what he can do for the whole route tree that he can run. Uh, last thing to break, break up to uh, wrap up today's news segment. We'll be back. There was more news and notes and observations, and we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. to 12:30 p.m. with our best five, bus five, sleeper five wide receivers. We're talking about more news in that episode, but we want to get this PPR mock draft going. Last thing to say, Devonta Smith takes part in drills. He's going to be on his way back. Chris, any concerns about him getting off to a slow start since he is going to still have a couple of weeks to get going here? Uh, not really. From what I understand, he got a pretty de decent amount of reps with Jalen Hurts before he got injured. And I think that this is basically going to be a matter of getting timing. We know this guy's basically the receiver one on that team. Doesn't really have any threat to that. You, you know, we saw Watkins kind of shine last year in the pre I mean, last week in the preseason game. And we know that Rieger's kind of actually getting some positive news out of camp. But you look at the rest of that team and you just, you know, you realize it's going to be pretty much him at the receiver position and the tight ends being utilized in the passing game. All right, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside, get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with the full point PPR mock draft. Your client's going away for 10 years. 
Unless, unless we swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right, and we are back, everybody, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show with a full-point PPR mock draft episode. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhower. You can always catch the live show at Belly Up MDFF Show on social media or on our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And, of course, catch us on your favorite pod streaming app and on the Unhinged Radio Network, which will be on from 6 to 7.30 tonight. So unhingedsn.airtime.pro will be live on there with this episode, too. Okay, so we got the full-point PPR mock draft. I already accidentally hit the start button. I had the third pick. Chris has the 10th pick in this draft, so we'll be drafting from two opposite ends here in a 12-man full-point PPR team. So we'll be able to give you guys a mixture of draft strategies depending upon your position and of course, to no surprise, first off, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook come off the board right away. Chris, we talked about this. Is there anything in the PPR mock draft that's different from the half point that we did, the standard that we did when it comes to the running backs two through five, let's say, outside of McCaffrey? Is it still just a preference pick or does there start to be clear-cut guys at that point? Um, to me, it's, I think, still a preference pick, although I do think you can argue whether or not you want to take somebody like a Kamara over a Derrick Henry because I think that you're going to kind of, you know, be concerned about some of the volume for Derrick Henry with the, the changing of the offense with a you know, different offense coordinator, adding Julio Jones. So uh, that might be a little bit thing where you think maybe definitely going to come out over Henry, but I still think overall it's mostly just a preference pick. So I'm actually going to do something I haven't done. I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott over Alvin Kamara. The reason is this, and we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, but Taysom Hill as coming out as the starting quarterback in that preseason game. Now, I know it's still up in the air, and it still might go either way. But while I'd still expect Alvin Kamara to be the best pass catcher they have, because he is the best passer they have, and they don't have much else, and I still expect Sean Payton to feature him in the offense, I think you would be incredibly uh, naive to think that he will get as many targets as he would if Jameis Winston was back there or as many targets as he did with Drew Brees if Taysom Hill is that starting quarterback. Just taking that little downtick in the volume of the passing game where Ezekiel Elliott, I I just have no fears. You know what? I haven't reflected this in my rankings yet. We'll see what happens when I go back and start tweaking some numbers again over the weekend. But I think I might have Ezekiel Elliott in front of Alvin Kamara. No way. Absolutely no way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, and I understand that maybe I have some concerns about Taysom Hill. I also think that was mostly a, a planned thing. Taysom Hill was a starter last year. The Saints like to kind of, you know, use that that guy who's been on our team as a starter and kind of give them opportunity to be the first you know, person out there. But James Winston was to start come up soon, 
and he's going to have the opportunity to kind of be the star this week, I believe. And I think that's where we're going to kind of see as camp kind of unfolds, really where do these guys stand? For me, Kamara is still a guy that I think no matter who the quarterback is, the whole entire offense is going to be kind of revolving around him. And I think that maybe you have a slight decrease in maybe receptions, but I don't think it's enough for Zeke to kind of jump on. Yeah, I, I kind of more just want to make the point here of what you, you have to take away some expectation, I think, if Taysom Hill is a starter. Now, again, nothing's been named yet. Jameis Winston is still in the mix. And if Winston is a starter, I have zero concerns about Alvin Kamara getting the eight and a half targets a game that he was getting with Drew Brees a season ago. But I think if it's Taysom Hill, I think you have to expect that that number goes from eight and a half to maybe five or six, maybe four to six. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. And that's where I would say it has to get reflected in the PPR league a little bit. So kind of more so to make the point there by taking Ezekiel Elliott that, and also make the point that I am that high on Zeke as well, that he is that close if that little change is made. After that, Derrick Henry came off the board, Alvin Kamara. Then we had, so that rounds on top five, which that's been the top five pretty much every draft, no matter what the format is. Jonathan Taylor still going in that six spots. Again, for us, that's too high. He's getting, you know, Targets and, and touches sawed off by his own team, frankly, getting in his way. It's too high in our book for Jonathan Taylor, especially not in front of a Nick Chubb who went next. Saquon Barkley at eight, who's been falling more and more to that seven to 10 range in a lot of drafts. And then we got Tyreek Hill, our first wide receiver coming off the board. And then Chris, you go with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I usually like to go running back in that first round, but with the value there with Devontae Adams and this being a PPR league, We've seen Devontae Adams be one of the top scorers over the last few years. Aaron Rodgers is back. Devontae, you know, Devontae's kind of his contract year. I expect him to be featured in this offense. I expect him to get plenty of targets. So I want the receiver there. I think basically can bank on week in, week out. Yeah, I can't, can't argue with you on that one. Travis Kelsey goes in the first round. That has been a continuing trend there at Team 11. Again, you do get the positional advantage. He does put up wide receiver one numbers. This is going to be one of the few years where I'm not going to knock it because Travis Kelsey, the other thing about him is he's as durable as they come. If there's anybody who is not an injury risk, it is Travis Kelsey. So I'm not going to knock you on that one. Aaron Jones and back-to-back with Austin Eckler for Team 12. For PPR purposes, not bad. Pretty good tandem to have on your on, on your uh, roster. Stephon Diggs comes back to Team 11, and then we get back to Chris. You go with Joe Mixon early in that second round. Yeah, I was kind of waiting on the running back position. I don't have Joe Mixon too different from Aaron Jones going into the year. Um, if Diggs would have fallen there, I probably would have loaded up at receiver because I just think Diggs is outstanding value that far down. 
But for me, when I, I saw him go off the board before me, I went with Joe Mixon. I'm excited about him having an opportunity to be featured in the passing game. And regardless of that, since the offensive line kind of works out and Joe Burrow kind of comes back from his injury, we know Joe Mixon is going to be heavily involved. Yeah, I, again, I want to keep, I'm going to keep reiterating this point pretty much all throughout August. The only thing to get in Joe Mixon's way is Joe Mixon. That's it. That's the only thing that can get in his way. As far as touches go, he might have more touches in his immediate future than he's ever had at any point in his career. He's one of the true, few true workhorse backs available to you guys in the NFL. If Joe Burrow continues to struggle from his mental hurdle coming back from the knee, which I think might take possibly the first half of the season this year before him to truly get over it and have confidence again stepping in, they're going to want to take pressure off of him. That offensive line's not going to be very good. The only way you're going to be able to do that is more dump-offs to Joe Mixon, more carries for Joe Mixon. I wouldn't be surprised if this offense wound up flowing through Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow, and those three wide receivers. Wouldn't be surprised about that at all. And I'll say this. That ankle injury, I don't think was very significant last year. I think they kept him out more to circumstance than anything else. He's had plenty of time to get 100% healthy. So there's every year where I would bet on Mixon having the chance to go the distance, it would be this season. We're bull. We're big on Joe Mixon. Now, the reason I don't have him, you know, in the top six, top five, I don't quite have him in front of Aaron Jones. I have him right behind Aaron Jones in full point PPR. Again, is because you have to bake in that risk with the injury, of course. But he's still right there with those guys, and he has as much top five potential as really any other running back goes. Just want to make that point there a little long. But again, Joe Mixon, one of those controversial players, people trying to figure out exactly where they want to value him at. After that pick. Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown had a sling of wide receivers come off the board. Then we had our first quarterback come off the board, Patrick Mahomes. Second round's too high. Right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you should be reaching for a quarterback in the second round just because I think there's a lot of depth at that position. I'm not a big guy who waits, you know, wait till the 16th, 17th round or anything like that to take a quarterback, but I do think that you can't take Patrick Mahomes before the third round is going into this year with too much a different variety of options available. Now, after that, we had Najee Harris. Then we get back to my pick. I was surprised he fell to me this late in the second round, especially in the PPR league. Antonio Gibson, who, you know, Kyle Allen, why the, thir- why the third string quarterback is talking about usage of players, I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous to me. But Kyle Allen comes out and says, they're pushing Antonio Gibson to take on the Christian McCaffrey role. Here's what I'll say to that. Whether that actually comes to fruition or not, what it does mean to me, what I do think you can take out of that statement is that J.D. McKissick's not going to be a thing, or at least not a thing in a significant way to take away from Antonio Gibson. It was a little concerning, though, that uh, McKissick still played the third downs in the, in the first preseason game. They hadn't got kind of given Gibson that complete role. Maybe that's for something scouting-wise, or they don't want to kind of show their hand still. But you're right. They're talking about coming out of camp. That was the plan to use Gibson as much as possible. Let's also not forget, and I think it was a great pick by you, but he didn't really have a whole lot of volume last year, so he's still kind of adjusting to playing the running back position. He only had about 13 carries on average last year, and I think that you kind of need him to be heavily involved in that passing game moving forward. So touchdowns probably will regress a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I don't really buy into the J.D. McKissick thing. I do, I'm Yes, the first preseason game, he was still kind of playing that role. I think that had more to do with preseason action than anything else. Remember, Antonio Gibson, his best skill set is catching the football. I cannot imagine, especially if his pass protection skills are getting better. Not, I think that's more the key than anything else is. And from all reports are, he is getting better at that aspect. 
I can't see them taking Antonio Gibson off the field that often to play JD McKissick. I just, I just don't, I just don't see that wind up happening. So I love Antonio Gibson this year, especially in the back end of the second round. He's in my top ten of running backs, especially for PPR. Next, Justin Jefferson comes off the board. J.K. Dobbins, and then we start to get two tight ends in a row in the third round. Something I'm seeing pretty common. It, Travis Kelsey goes in that first, and then by that third round, you get Darren Waller and George Kittle coming off the board to round out your top three tight ends. So that, that's pretty much been the basis. If you want one of these top three tight ends, you have to spend the draft capital within those first three rounds. Otherwise, you're not going to get them. Now, I don't know how important that is necessarily to everybody once you get outside of Travis Kelsey. Yes, there's positional value there, but here's the other thing to take in consideration when you're building out your roster. Outside of those three people in your league, and if you're a 12-man league, nine others are going to be doing what you're doing, taking shots on guys later on, streaming, trying to find value. I've still seen plenty of teams where they win championships without the elite tight end, so don't feel like you have to do it, but it can be in a positional advantage. I'm not saying these guys aren't worth that pick. They are. Then it got back to me, and I was giddy. I've told you, Chris, I've told you this in other mock drafts that we had. I will always be getting the third round if DeAndre Swift falls to me. Yeah, I mean, as we kicked off the show, you kind of talked about him being a featured person in Detroit. We've seen Austin Eckler. We've seen Alvin Kamara in similar systems. And we think that, you know, he's going to be primarily used in those roles. So in the PPR league, it's outstanding value. The guy has the ability to kind of break it and also be involved, heavily involved in the passing game. Then Josh Jacobs comes off the board. I'm fine with Josh Jacobs in the third round, by the way. I think there's been a little bit too much of a negative narrative on him in particular because of what's going on with the Raiders. And I don't disagree. I think he's, it'll be inefficient like it was last year. Kenyon Drake being there is annoying, although he got banged up a little bit, but he should be fine for week one. He's still going to get the bulk of the carries. He's still going to get the bulk of the touchdowns. This offense will still primarily flow through, I believe, the running game and Josh Jacobs with Gruden because, again, Pass catchers-wise, outside of Darren Waller, yet to be seen. So I think Josh Jacobs is fine there in the third round. Don't think that because of the narrative that's been on him all year long that you have to stay away from him. Keenan Allen goes after that. Miles Sanders, Terry McLaurin, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's tremendous value there from Team 8, blatant there in the third round. Chris, I'm sure you were pissed hoping that he would get back to you. I was. Josh Allen, our second quarterback, comes off the board there in the third round. Again, I think that's too high because of the value that you can get a quarterback, load up at these running backs and wide receivers early in your drafts. That that third-round guy, if Josh Allen isn't every bit what he was last year's efficient passer, you're not going to get the return on your investment there in the third round. And then we get back to Chris, who takes Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson to me is one of those forgotten about running backs, particularly in PPR leagues. This guy was heavily involved in the passing game last year. If anything, you were kind of looking for more touchdowns than you got from him. When he's healthy, this guy is involved in all aspects of Seattle's offense. They feature him a lot of ways. He just got paid this offseason. So I expect Chris Carson to really be a really great value. And one of those last top-tier RB1s kind of, or RB threatening RB1s in my book. Yeah, Chris Carson has the potential. The you know the injury risk is, of course, there. But again, I think it's a bit overblown. Last year, he missed four games, but that was the most games he had missed since he broke his leg his first year in the league. He really only misses about two to three games on average. Really not bad when you're talking about these RB2s. He's in a great offense. I love Chris Carson's upside, even though I know I might miss him a couple of games. That's the value. It's going to happen with the running backs, especially in the territory he's going. I think that's baked in with 
where he's going, especially late here in the third round, a nice value there. David Montgomery comes off the board right after that. Then we have Kyler Murray. Not really surprised given how the quarterbacks are going early in this draft. Allen Robinson comes off. Julio Jones. Chris loading up the running back position. You do have Devontae Adams, your wide receiver one, but you come back, you take Daryl Henderson to round out your top three running backs for your team. Yeah, when I was kind of partly why I took Carson also is I was hoping David Montgomery might fall because of where he's ranked. Um, and there was opportunity maybe he'd come back around. But once he got picked up and Alan Robinson was off the board, a lot of the receivers I have after that are basically clustered, and I don't necessarily have a top preference over either one. Well, I think there's a giant drop-off at the running back position with Henderson, after Henderson, I should say. This guy should be able to at least be a solid RB2. And with Chris Carson, you kind of talked about the injury concerns a little bit. I want to make sure I have depth at that position for both these guys and be able to use one of the two at least as the second running back, if not in the flex. Then we have Mike Evans, Travis Etienne coming off in the fourth round. I see this a lot in PPR leagues. We know Travis Etienne's going to at least have the passing down role. Now, what's going to happen with the split between him and James Robinson? Is Carlos Hyde going to be involved? We'll see. But what does come with him is the potential that by the end of the season, he'll at least be splitting with James Robinson or possibly taking over at that point. It wouldn't be shocking to me. And I do believe this is going to be a pass first team. So I, I don't mind Travis Etienne taking a shot there in the fourth round. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But I do have a big problem with Team 7 taking Kyle Pitts in the fourth round. And I, I don't want to keep beating a dead drum because we've been talking about this all summer, why that's a mistake. But Kyle Pitts in the fourth round, you're just setting yourself up for failure there, especially when he has some so much similar value and going in front of a Mark Andrews, a TJ Hawkinson, those type of guys. Again, you want to maximize your rosters, especially you want to maximize, in particular, the running backs and the wide receiver positions. Once you get outside those top three tight ends, there is that mid-tier, I believe, which I believe is actually Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, and then the Kyle Pitts territory with everybody else. But you're going, you're not going to get that top end production. You're missing out on that top end receiver or some of the running backs who do have pretty good potential in these rounds. In my estimation, Chris, I don't know if you have anything to say to that. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think you're looking for a lot of volume in PPR, and I think Kyle Pitts will be heavily involved in the red zone. I don't know how many opportunities or receptions he's going to get, um, and I also think there's other players on the board you're kind of talking about that I probably would have picked over making sure I got a tight end there. I understand wanting to have an advantage at tight end, but to your point, I think Andrews and Hockenstein are going to have close, if not the same numbers or better numbers than the Kyle Pitts would. So I would have waited there. I also, I'm not a big fan of taking Travis Etienne in the fourth round. I think people are really way higher than they should be on him in a lot of ways. Um, I understand that he might be taking over eventually, but the fourth round pick for me is you're basically banking on him being starter sooner than later and heavily involved right off the bat. You have a lot of pass catchers there in Jacksonville. They add in your Marvin Jones. They have Chenault. They actually have, you know, DJ Clark Sharks healthy again. So I look at that offense in general. I think ETN's getting kind of drafted more on the idea because he went in the first round versus other rookie running backs who I think might actually be more productive throughout the entire season. 
You know what? That's a fair point. There is a lot of risk that comes with taking Travis Etienne in the fourth round because you don't know exactly when he might take over, if he even does, when it comes to the bulk of the carries and could be limited in his ceiling in that way. There's a lot of upside, a lot of risk that comes with that. Generally speaking, I don't do that with the fourth round picks, but in the PPR league, I think there's one place where you are going to draft him that high. This is the one format where I can see doing it. Chris Godwin comes off the board after Kyle Pitts, then Amari Cooper, Lamar Jackson, we see him come off in the fourth round. And then I'm up. I was happy again. Got to get Robert Woods, who's a top 10 receiver in my book in PPR. I actually haven't been able to get him very often because of where I've been selecting because he's consistently going here in that late fourth round territory. So you're not set up here. You don't really get a shot at him. But he is my guy in the top 10 in this offense. I do think he's going to be slightly more targeted than Cooper Cup. I don't think it's necessarily going to be the Cooper Cup show in the red zone. I think Robert Woods actually has a chance to get his career high in touchdowns with Matthew Stafford there. Chris, I know you have mixed feelings when it comes to me on Robert Woods, but I get him in the fourth round. I don't think you can disagree with that. No, especially the PPR league. We know this guy's going to be heavily involved in the passing game, and we've seen Matthew Stafford be able to feed multiple receivers in the past. So I think this is not no no brainer in a sense for you. Um, you like Woods a little bit more than I do, but having said that, we both agree that he has a very solid floor and great upside with Matthew Stafford taking over this year. Then after that comes Cooper Cup. So the Rams, another Rams receiver coming off right after me. And then we close out the fourth round with Adam Thielen. What we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break and just get a word from our sponsor in. And then we'll continue on with this full point PPR mock draft on the MD's fantasy football show and on the unhinged radio network. So stay tuned right after this quick word from our sponsor. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street meets sports gambling in this innovative app. The Symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. When they lose, you don't lose Money, the value of your team's share, is all that matters, and it's easy to use. Just download the Symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDS Fantasy for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul, where the sportsbook edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again use the promo code MDS Fantasy for your ten dollar deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right, and we are back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, going over our full point PPR mock draft. You can always watch us on the live stream at Belly Up MDFF Show on social media or on YouTube. The MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe. As always, I'm your host Dan Mater. Join here with Chris Dowhower. We just closed out the first four rounds. Continuing on, Chris, you're on the clock. You got a minute and a half there for your pick, and then I'll continue on. So, kicking off the fifth round, we see Jamar Chase come off the board. I am going to be lowering Jamar Chase pretty soon in my rankings just to let MD Nation know. I'm I'm turned off by a lot of the negative reports coming out about him. I'm also turned off by the negative reports coming out about Joe Burrow. I also take into consideration the one guy who seemingly has looked good throughout camp, which has been T. Higgins. All reports are he looks like he's ready to take that next step 
in his second year. I'm going to be moving him a little bit lower than T. Higgins going into my rankings in all scoring formats. So I think there's a little bit more risk than people are anticipating or are thinking about when it comes to Jamar Chase. I think he's somebody you have to look more so as an upside play, not somebody you want to take in the fifth round who is going to probably be your either your wide receiver two or your flex play, a key cog in your lineup. I don't know if he's going to be that, at least not in the beginning of the year, frankly. Then DJ Moore comes off the board after that. Again, like you said, we do recognize today he was taken out of practice. We're not really concerned about it as far as week one goes for the season. Then he gets back to me, and I was really happy about this. I don't get to take this guy a lot, and it was tough for me because, Chris, you know this. Every draft that we've been in, fifth round, Tyler Lockett's on the board. I'm taking Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. But in this case, I have C.D. Lamb ranked ahead of Tyler Lockett. He doesn't usually follow me here. Taking C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver, too, extremely happy about that. I think him and Amari Cooper are going to be 1A, 1B when it comes to this Dallas offense. It's going to be a high-scoring offense. And I think C.D. Lamb's just a stud in the making. I have him... I believe actually in PPR leagues, I have him inside of my top 12 or very, very close to it. I have, oh no, actually I have him at at 16, but I have him two spots ahead of Tyler Lockett when it comes to PPR. We're going to be getting CeeDee Lamb in the fifth round. I mean, I think that's outstanding value. I'm shocked that he fell that far to you. I think this is definitely one of the up and coming receivers. I think he's going to be borderline dominant, especially playing in the slot this year a lot. Um, You're going to see him featured. And I don't, have a concern about Mari Cooper or Michael Gallup stealing his touches, quote unquote. I think Dallas is going to be able to have the ability to feed all these guys and all of them, all of them be very successful this year. Yeah, I love that he, they've been moving him all around throughout practice. He's going to play a little bit of this. That's one thing about Amari Cooper having missed time that may actually wind up being somewhat of a benefit to him is that he got to play pretty much everywhere. But with Michael Gallup, Mari Cooper, I think CD Lamb and Mari Cooper are going to be interchangeable as far as outside, inside, and they're going to use that for the matchup purposes. And while I don't have a lot of love for Mike McCarthy, I do think Kellen Moore is a great offensive coordinator. I think he's going to get a job at some point, especially if they have another good uh, one this season. Chris, read off the rest of the picks for me while I make my pick here, please. <laughs> yeah, so after C.D. Lamb, they went your guy, Tyler Lockett. We both kind of, we like his upside. We think that he's definitely a solid pick. We're kind of confused why people seem to be seem down on him. I understand that he had some inconsistency last year, but this guy's still heavily involved, still had over 100 catches last year. And BPR-wise, he's going to be an outstanding value there in the fifth round. Um, and then you kind of follow up the Kareem Hunt. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Kareem Hunt fan, but a lot of people are. We do know he'll be involved in the passing game, so it's not a bad pick there. Followed up by Russell Wilson. Um, you know, We saw the computer have a kind of run on quarterbacks. I like Russ's upside this year. I love the system fit for him. And then you kind of follow with Miles Gaskin, who we both would probably agree right now would not be the guy we're taking there. Um, we definitely don't have our concerns. We do think he'll be involved in the passing game, but overall, I still think the value isn't there for PPR wise. Um, Mark Andrews came off the board after that. I think that's a good value. We kind of talked about our top tier tight ends. Mark Andrews kind of is that cutoff point for me. Um, I think they maybe stretch a little bit far with TJ Hawkinson, but I think Mark Andrews is an outstanding value. And when you see TJ Hawkinson kind of follow up with that pick, uh, TJ is going to be somebody that we everybody kind of expects him to have a kind of a, a breakout year in a lot of ways. I'm not one of those people necessarily because I think Matthew Stafford loves his tight end as it was, so I don't see why he'll necessarily get so much more volume. Um, but I do understand that you look at the limited pass catchers available on that team, you do kind of see him be the kind of, you know, have a, a, a way to get to be one of the top receivers. Um, followed up by myself, my pick, and I picked Deontay Johnson. I've been kind of talking about this on other shows and our show. I think Deontay Johnson is about to have his giant breakout year. Um, I also think that the drops he had last year were kind of 
a, pro a problem. I think that's going to be fixed. He's not a guy who you know, struggles with catching the ball. I think he's definitely going to be Ben's favorite target. I think you're going to see him utilize all over the field. And you're reminding a lot of Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I, I like that pick there. If I was able to make mine, Deontay Johnson in the fifth round is tremendous value, especially to go as your wide receiver too when you went running back heavy everywhere else. So that way, you're always locked up. You have good spots there. I like the formation that you're coming up with. Dak Prescott came off the board after that. Then Brandon Ayuk, I think that's pretty good value there in the fifth round too. Came back with T. Higgins. That's team 12. Kenny Galladay. And then we get back to you taking Chase Edmonds in the sixth round. Pretty much on par with where he has been going, especially PPR leagues. But you like his upside quite a bit too. Yeah, I think Chase Edmonds was a very solid you know, player PPR last year. This guy was definitely a great option in the flex position. I think he's got even more upside this year with the changing in the offense, with Drake being moved on from. I think you're not going to see necessarily the same commitment to making sure that the guys are splitting touches like we saw last year. Um, Drake's not getting paid. I mean, sorry, Connor's not getting paid nearly the same amount of money that Drake does. And while Connor has some opportunities to bolster some touchdowns, We've heard nothing but good things about camp from Chase Evans being heavily involved in the passing game, which he was last year, and that continues. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think there's tremendous upside there with Chase Edmonds. I think the only thing is, can he handle a bigger workload for a full 17-game season just because we haven't seen him do that yet? Michael Thomas comes off the board in the sixth round. That is too Hi, MD Nation. Say it with me. Let someone else make that mistake. Chris, you and I talked about this off air. One of the people that everybody trusts really in the industry is Stefania Bell, but she seems to be the only one that is coming out and saying she's very, very confident that after this surgery, Michael Thomas will be able to get back to himself, which is great. But even if that's the case, and that's the best case scenario, you're still talking about a guy who's definitely going to be out. He's going to be on the pup list and definitely going to be out for six weeks. You're still talking about a guy you're going to have to wait until halfway through the season to get him. Yeah, I like him for the playoff run, but you're going to have to stash him on your IR spot. Don't take him in the sixth round. There's no reason yeah. to take him in the sixth round. Go ahead. I, I, mean, I totally agree. I think this guy is going to be a, a good value going into the playoffs, but you have to actually make the playoffs. And when you're passing you know, your first six, seven rounds, you want to make sure you have a solid team in order before you start taking wild cards, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the point right there. Justin Herbert comes off the board in the sixth round. We've made our feelings clear about him being a number one bust in our book and not worth a six-round pick, certainly. But his ADP is the QB6. It tends to come off around this territory, it seems like. I think people are just underestimating the amount of weapons he actually has at his disposal. Mike Williams already banged up. We know he consistently gets injured. Jared Cook, I like the fit, but we know he's hit or miss. 
Austin Eckler, haven't seen him start a full 16-game season in his career, and that leaves you basically with Keenan Allen and a lot of guys who are hit-or-miss deep threats in a Jalen Guyton, a Josh Palmer. I don't think they have as many weapons as people think that they have. I don't think there's going to be as high-scoring an offense as some people think that they're going to be. And I do think with Justin Herbert, people figured out something towards the end of last season where they're going to have his defense. You take away Keenan Allen, where else do you go to more comfortably? He was thinking out there. He wasn't reacting once teams started taking Keenan Allen away from him towards the end of the year. I think he's in line for a sophomore slump, potentially. Chris, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think you made all outstanding points. I was going to add one more caveat. I think that Chargers defense is going to be a lot better this year. It should be more healthy, and as a result, they're not going to be nearly as many shootout games, which might limit his upside and his production offensively. I just want to give a quick reminder while we're on the show here to everybody out there. Our live stream, you want to comment in during this mock draft. We'll talk about your comments and and whatever questions you may have, concerns. But we'll also have the mailbag segment for you guys once we wrap up this mock draft. And you can always get on that when you go to at BellyUpMDFF show on social media. We're available to you 24-7. You ask us a question, we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. We're here to help you guys out with your fantasy leagues. If you ask a question we like, we're going to put you on the show. So that's going to be at the end of the show today, like it always is. After Herbert comes Aaron Rodgers from Team 7. Javante Williams comes off the board. Uh, disappointed in that. I really kind of wanted Javante Williams to fall to me there in the sixth round. James Robinson comes off in the sixth round. That's too high for me at James Robinson. I talked about he was one of my busts because of how high his ADP is. I have him ranked outside the top three running backs. Even if he's the lead ball carrier in the beginning of the season, I don't think this guy is going to see any pass catching work. I don't know really how many touchdowns you can actually expect out of him because I think this is going to be a shotgun team even when they're in the red zone is what it's going to shape up to be, I think, a lot of the times. So you have a guy who just has a really low ceiling, in my opinion, this season and a strong possibility that he winds up getting overpassed by Travis Etienne later on in the year. Remember, James Robinson was good last year because of the incredible volume that he was getting both rushing and passing. Not only is that not going to happen this season, but this is not the coaching staff who had him replace Leonard Fournette. There's no allegiance here to a James Robinson. It's just a lot of potholes for a guy you're taking in the sixth round to be at least a flex play or an RB2 play in your lineup. So I think it's a little high there. Juju Smith-Schuster comes off the board for Team 4. And then I went with somebody that I don't normally go with, but I went with OBJ. Usually I wouldn't take him this high in the sixth round. I do think he is... I definitely an ultimate wild card. He could he could be boom or bust for you, but we know he has top 10 potential. Yes, it has been a few years since that's happened. Supposedly he's healthy now. We'll see how long that lasts. But in this situation, it became a roster construction thing. I have my core set. And we're playing in a league where you had three you got to start three receivers. But I have my running backs. I'm going to play a running back in the flex. I have Robert Woods, I have CD Lamb. So I'm going to go with OBJ because I'm going to take a shot on a potential league winner when I have my core in place. Chris, we talk about this all the time. When you're drafting, the things you want to look for is once you have your core in place, taking a few shots here and there. Because once you have that core, if you just hit on two or three other guys in your draft, you're going to be looking at a championship team. I think OBJ signifies being one of those guys. I think the sixth round is fine value for him. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We talked about Michael Thomas being a little concerning for the sixth round, but OBJ is not expected to miss any games right off the bat. Yeah, he's right. been injured in the past, but we can't go, we can't predict that it's going to happen. And looking at the offense in general, you realize they do want to get this guy you know, involved. Baker has actually had an offseason to work with him, so that's been a benefit for them, I think, both. 
And then you look at Stefanski, what his usage of like a, a Stefan Diggs, for example, back in Minnesota, you see that there's a clear cut role for OBJ to kind of fit this offense. I think it's a great value. I think that he could be one of the steals of the draft. Um, he's not a guy I think you necessarily take too high, but you can't forget this guy's one of the more talented receivers still in the league. 100%. And like, so we'll see what happens. But again, in this situation, he's my third receiver. So if he doesn't pan out, it's not that big of a deal because we'll have more receivers to come. Devonta Smith comes off the board. Mike Davis, Debo Samuel at the turn, two 49ers actually, Debo Samuel, and then Raheem Mostert. I'm fine with the value there. Get back to me. I would decide to go ahead and take my fourth running back because at this point in the seventh round, you're going to see a drastic drop in the tier from playable running backs to guys that are either just handcuffs or you're taking home run shots on. And I wanted to have that because I know I'm going to play three running backs. I want to have a fourth guy that I could go to if need be or when need be. Because we always know the running back position, you're likely to get somebody's likely to get hurt at some point. So I go with Michael Carter, who's going to be the top pass catcher of the Jets. Chris, we love him. I'm going to let you take this away on this pick. I was going to say, I know you took him because you also realized he wasn't going to come back around. No, he was not because I know you were going to grab him. I would jump all over him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of commented about my ETN concerns. Michael Carter, to me, is the opposite situation. I think he's a clear-cut guy who's going to be probably starting from day one or if not starting, heavily involved. I think Tevin Coleman with his injury history and a lack of production in the last few years is kind of a guy who knows the system. I think his days are limited in a lot of ways. I'm not concerned about anything else in that backfield. They're a bunch of bums, honestly. So I think Michael Carter already has been showing out in um, you know camp as it has. We're both Zach Wilson fans. We think the offensive line is going to be outstanding. The system's a great fit. And even if this guy isn't getting 25, 30 touches, you're not worried about it because of his explosiveness and his big playability. He's already you know, shown in college that he can split time in the backfield and still be highly productive. I just see no reason people should be passing on this guy. I love him. Jets are going to be better, people realize. Or at least their offensive line is going to be better, people realize. The running game is going to be good. Tevin Coleman is going to get hurt. Ty Johnson's just a guy. I don't think Perrine's even going to see the field. Michael Carter is going to surprise people on 12 to 15 touches a game. Plain and simple. After that, Chase Claypool comes off. We'll be talking about him in tomorrow's episode because I have him in one of my wide receiver top five spots. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Melvin Gordon comes off the board. I think that's good value for Melvin Gordon. Look, in the beginning of the season, I expect this guy to be the starter. I expect this guy to be a very good RB3 for you while you're playing. So I do like Melvin Gordon here in the seventh round to offer you a base floor value. Yeah, I also think the guy that we saw last year when he was splitting carries with Philip Lindsay before Lindsay got injured, Melvin Gordon was playing the third. He was their third down back. So I think Javante Williams might eventually become the guy. I think especially early on in the season, you're going to see Melvin Gordon playing a lot on third downs and be heavily involved in the passing game. After that, Noah Fant comes off the board, DJ Chark. Yeah, I could totally agree. Noah Fant is in that tier of tight ends, again, that we talked about, where you might as well just wait till the double-digit rounds because there's not much of a difference between those guys. He's in an offense with a bad quarterback and a ton of pass-catching weapons. I love Noah Fant's talent as much as the next guy, but he hasn't... Last year, he was banged up quite a bit. He hasn't been on the field when you have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Duty and KJ Hamler and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, all pass-catchers, a lot of pass-catchers, not a good quarterback situation, there's a low floor that comes with a Noah Fant. And again, like I said, there's just not much difference between him and a Tyler Higby and Adam Troutman, guys of those natures that you're getting in a double-digit round. So I agree with you. That's, that's too high. That's not maximizing your value there. 
Uh, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton comes off the board. Leonard Fournette. We talk about Tampa Bay running backs, not taking them until the ninth, 10th round. If you want to take a shot on them. And then Chris, you come back with Tom Brady in the seventh round. Yeah. Tom Brady is one of my quarterbacks that I have as one of the upper tier quarterbacks. I think he's guaranteed to finish in the top 10. I, I kind of put out there and saying he's going to finish in the top five. I expect this guy to be outstanding this year. I mean, he was taught, he was nine last year. And that was getting adjusted to a new system on a banged up knee. And as we saw the season progress, we saw him get better and better. So I think you have an entire offseason of this outstanding receiving core. And then you add the fact that you have one of the best offensive coordinators and, um, you know, Bruce Arians and, and Leftwich working together, a system that's kind of built for Tom Brady to be aggressive and for have lots of volume. So I'm excited about Tom Brady there. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about the cheat codes of the quarterbacks, which is the guys that scrambled. Of course, yeah, they have tremendous ceilings. But Brady is going to be as consistent if nothing else, as they come all season long. So I'm with you on that one. And I don't mind the seventh round, eighth round being when you start to take your first quarterback in that territory, because that's usually where you're still taking guys that are inside your top 12 are going to are going to break away in that tier zone area. Jalen Waddle comes off the board and then Jerry Judy. We're going to take a quick break and a word from our sponsor. We'll come back in the in the eighth round there for you guys and continue on with our PPR mock draft right after this word from our championship football sponsor you can get championship footballs at championshipfootballs.com they offer a 100% money back guarantee on every single souvenir football that they sell it's the coolest present that they'll open that day guaranteed there's nothing worse than trying to find the right gift for somebody that already has everything whether that special present is for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide backer, maybe Gramps a lifelong Dallas Cowboys supporter, or your brother-in-law is an LSU Tiger territory. Know a member of the Baylor Alumni Association? Is there a better Father's Day gift for someone who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Send them the coolest present they'll open that day guaranteed. Now, if your favorite pro team is the Buffalo Bills or those Minnesota Vikings, well, we're sorry about that. Also, if you're a New Mexico State Aggie or a Tulane Green Wave alum, not much they can do. After all, the name isn't nice effort. You had a pretty good season, footballs.com. The name is championshipfootballs.com. The coolest president they'll open that day guaranteed. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we are back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show and on YouTube on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe to that. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Chris Dowhauer, continuing on with our PPR mock draft for all of you guys. And also, we'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network tonight from 6 to 7.30. Just go to unhingedsn.airtime.pro to listen to this episode on your drives home or while you're cooking or whatever the case may be. And of course, we're always available to you on your favorite pod streaming app. So we go into the eighth round, kicking off with Dallas Goddard. That's somebody who's of note because Zach Ertz didn't leave Philly, unfortunately. The reports are that the targets have pretty much been getting split up between Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. The only thing I will say that's positive for the Dallas Goddard breakout that people wanted there to be this season is that the tight ends in general seem to be the ones getting all the targets. Now, part of that is because Devonta Smith missed some time. But Chris, where are you at on Dallas Goddard? Because we were high on him going into the year until some of these things developed. Yeah, I still think he's going to be a very effective tight end. 
but I do have a little bit more of a ceiling for him, a lower ceiling, I should say, for him than I had originally with Zach Ertz expected to be out of town. Um, you know that you, you kind of hear that the offense is definitely going to feature the tight end position. They'll probably play a lot of two tight end sets because of the limited receivers that they have. There's been an effort and a conscious effort on the offseason right now to have Jalen Hurts utilize the tight end a lot. So I think Dowder still has a lot of upside. I still think he can be a really good player. But I do have a little bit fear that he shouldn't be somebody that is going to be as productive as I kind of expected him to be because Zach Ertz is still in, 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 in Philadelphia. Yeah, which I'm just shocked by. Shocked he didn't get traded to Colts. And at this point, he's not probably, it's more likely he's not going to go anywhere. So. We'll see exactly think, what happens. I, Go ahead. I think, I think the money is a big problem for a lot of these teams. They don't want to pay Zach Ertz, and I don't the Eagles want to eat his contract. And I think Zach Ertz is kind of figuring out why he didn't get extension from the Eagles, not necessarily because they don't like him, it's because he doesn't have that value around the league. Well, after last year, how could you? You're getting paid as a top-tier tight end. We saw this guy fall off a harder cliff than I've seen really almost any player from one year to the other. But it does hurt Dallas Goddard, who was going to be my tight end six until these things developed where now I like him. I think he'll be more targeted than Zach Ertz. I think he's going to be the lead guy, but it's going to siphon off his ceiling just a little bit there. Next cup came up. Uh, Ronald Jones. I'm, I'm making sure I'm in the right round here. Yeah. Ronald Jones came off the board after that. And then Chris, you go with Antonio Brown, one of my favorite guys to go with in the eighth round consistently. Yeah, I, I jumped a little ahead of Antonio Brown because I kind of expected some of the Michael Carter situation that Anthony was going to come back around to me with you have two picks coming up. Um, I, this guy has an outstanding floor, and he's also one of the more productive receivers towards the end of the season last year. I think he's a Tom Brady favorite. We're going to talk about kind of our, our favorite receivers kind of going into next year. Antonio Brown's going to be on one of my lists tomorrow because he's somebody that I think people are really underestimating. He's starting to become climb up the board slowly but surely, but this guy – has been highly effective. He's going to probably play a lot of the slot position, a lot of the outside, and he's a guy that's going to be heavily involved in this passing game. Yeah, and again, we're midway through August, so while he might be coming up the board a little bit, I think by the time your drafts roll around, he's still going to be a tremendous value no matter where you're drafting at at this point. Trey Sermon comes off the board there in the eighth round. That's common territory where I've seen it. Look, with Sermon, I do think a Raheem Moser injury is needed for him to actually reach his potential. But there are a lot of reports, and it makes sense the way Kyle Shanahan runs his offense, that Sermon's going to get a decent amount of work, even with Moser healthy and on the field. So there's a floor, I think, there on a week-to-week basis. I think he can be a top 36 running back, depending upon the matchup. The 49ers do have a favorable matchup the first five games of the season, especially for running backs. So I don't think it will have to wait for Raheem Moser for him to reach his full potential. Uh, but that's what's going to take before he can really be a fantasy stud that some people are excited about him being. But find value there, I think, as far as the lower-tier running backs go when you get into the eighth round. Robbie Anderson comes off the board after that. Dealing with a hamstring injury, he should be back again, like I said, next week. We're not really worried about him for week one. I'm more worried about Sam Darnold and what that's going to mean for that offense. But I understand taking a shot on him in the eighth round there. LaVisca Chanel comes off the board. Brandon Cooks, nice value there in the eighth round. He's just he's gonna have at least a floor of nothing else when it comes to the target share. Then we get Rob Gronkowski and Robert Tanyan. Too high again. These tight ends, these mid-level tier tight ends are going weight, especially Gronk's case. Chris, we talked about this. We expect the three receivers of Tampa Bay to eat. If they're gonna eat, somebody has to get left out. That's gonna be the tight end position, whether it's Gronk. And let's not forget OJ Howard's back. Cameron Brait is there. The only role he and might it- have is the red zone. 
And they added Gio Bernard to the backfield to add another pass catcher to catch the ball on, the, on third downs for Tom Brady. So I definitely agree. I think Gronk's going to have some decent games here or there. The problem you're going to run into is when you predict those games to play to actually happen and put him in your lineup. I think it's way too early to take a, a Rob Gronkowski. There's obviously other tight ends who have clear-cut roles. Tampa Bay, we're really not sure how it's going to unfold. And to, you, to your point, we're not even sure how much playing time this guy's going to get with the other tight ends. I mean, don't forget, last year he was splitting time with O.J. Howard and took him pretty much the half, you know, almost halfway through the season before he came, showed you any kind of production. Yeah, 100%. And then after that, we had – well, we had my pick after that. And it's the, at this point, it's the eighth round, and I took my QB7 off my board and Jalen Hurts. I feel really good about this lineup that I have. So I'm going to take a quarterback who has tremendous upside because of his legs. I have Jalen Hurts right behind. I shouldn't say right behind, but just behind Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, as far as the top rushing quarterbacks going into this season. I do have him hitting that 800-yard rushing mark. He hits that. He will automatically, at the very least, be a top 12 running back or quarterback. Excuse me. And while he is not a consistent passer whatsoever. The Eagles defense isn't very good, especially on the back end. I think there are going to be a lot of shootouts. So there's going to be a lot of high volume. So while his passing numbers may not wind up being efficient, you saw it last year. I think there's going to be some situations where he's actually able to get you those 300 yard couple touchdown passing games to go along with his legs. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, They played Dallas twice. So I think it's a good chance right there in that game or those two games. But no, I think Jalen Hurts definitely has a lot of upside. And he's got a great floor with his rushing ability. Um, you, we talked about the tight end position kind of being one of their strengths. The offensive line is going to be healthy. So Jalen Hurts has an opportunity to, if he keeps his job and stays the, the starter for the entire year for the Eagles, being very productive. Thank you. Thank you. And then Trevor Lawrence comes off the board. Top 10 quarterback for me. I think that's okay value there in the eighth round, although I think you could have waited a little bit longer. Joe Burrow comes off the board for team one at eighth round. That's too high with everything going on. Look, like I said before, if he gets over the mental hurdle, because from a physical standpoint, he is reportedly healthy. He has the weapons. There is upside. But I'm a little too concerned about the start that you're going to get. I don't know when you're going to be able to play Joe Burrow. And I think if you draft him here in the eighth round, especially, you're going to wind up streaming somebody. I don't, you're going to, there's a good chance he's going to wind up being off your roster by the time he would have an opportunity to turn a corner. He's one of those type of guys in that situation. Jarvis Landry then comes off. Damian Harris in the ninth round. I think in a PPR league, that's where Damian Harris needs to go because we still just have a lot of questions on how involved in the passing game he's truly going to get the beat. And if he's going to be purely a rusher and dependent upon touchdowns with the Cam Newton starting, things kind of get a little bit murky as far as what his ceiling on a week-to-week basis is. I think his floor is always going to be an RB3 pretty much on a week-to-week. But a ninth round there, I like the value. I think that's fair value because you know you're just getting a floor play especially in this league. Then we get back to me, and I go at Will Fuller. They kind of go with my OBJ thing. That wide receiver three for me, it's going to be a lottery ticket, but we talked about this. Will Fuller, when he's on the field, I expect him to be the number one wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I expect this offense to be more vertical. I expect there to be upside with Will Fuller, even though maybe like an OBJ, I'm not going to have him for 17 games, but I'm fine with taking the explosion at that wide receiver three spot. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Will Fuller is going to have outstanding value um, I think that when you look at maybe he's missing that first week. After that, I do think he'll be on top of the food chain and all Dolphins offense. And a guy who's turned the corner in a lot of ways and becoming more than the one-trick pony. And they also don't forget this guy was a touchdown scorer last year. I think he had six or seven straight games where he scored a touchdown before he, he was basically suspended for the rest of the season. So Will Fuller has a lot of upside, and I'm excited about his potential this year. 
We see Zach Moss come off the board in the ninth round. I'm good with the value there. There's some upside about Zach Moss. If he gets to be the lead guy, which is what we expect out of Buffalo, high-scoring offense, there'll be opportunities, even if they're on a run-first team. Now, of course, his ceiling still gets cut because Devin Singletary, of course, is going to still be involved. But there is potential there for Zach Moss, which I think is what you're drafting for in the ninth round when it comes to these running backs. Because, again, the tier just drops off very dramatically with those guys. Tyler Boyd comes off. Tyler Boyd is the unsung hero here. I love this value here because I think he is going to be a guy who's going to be in the top 36 more often than not most weeks. People forget about him because they drafted Jamar Chase. They have T. Higgins, guys who go down the field, young, up-and-coming, studs, exciting players. Tyler Boyd has always been a safety blanket. And if Joe Burrow is happy feet in the pocket and wants to get the ball out of his hands, then he's probably going to check it down more. That's going to be Tyler Boyd's repertoire. So especially in PPR, I think you're talking about a pretty nice safe floor here out of a Tyler Boyd who's always been a safe player in PPR leagues. Yeah, McGarr was top 20 last year when the games Joe Burrow played. He's definitely a favorite of Joe Burrow's. And to your point, I think he's going to continue to be involved, especially as Joe Burrow kind of runs back into shape. Mike Asicki comes off the board. Then Kenyon Drake. I don't know if I'm taking Kenyon Drake before the double-digit rounds here. He's coming off here in the ninth round. I don't know what kind of upside people are looking at. I know they paid him. Maybe he's the primary pass catcher. He's never going to overtake Josh Jacobs in the goal line. He's never going to overtake Josh Jacobs in carries. And we've seen Kenny Drake have issues with staying healthy. I don't know how much upside he has here. I don't know if he is much more than a handcuff necessarily. Maybe he's going to be more involved in in the receiving than I'm anticipating, which makes him more valuable in PPR. I don't know. But Chris, what do you think about Kenny and Drake? Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's a guarantee how much he's involved, but I think we have seen the people like Jalen Rashard be utilized in the backfield pretty consistently by John Gruden. I think he's going to have at least that role, if not a little bit more. So I do think he has not a bad value, because especially in the PPR league. Now, I'm not touching him in a standard league this high, but in the PPR league, I do think that he's going to have an opportunity to kind of have some decent games here or there for you, because he probably will be involved in the passing game. And we also know that the receiving core is kind of still questionable in the, in the Raiders situation. After that, we had James Conner, and then we get to Matthew Stafford. Chris, you take somebody I haven't seen you take, especially here, Corey Davis in the ninth round. Yeah, Corey Davis is somebody who's kind of been forgotten about. I mean, this guy in in the PPR-wise, or half-point PPR, was number 31. So I have to kind of get the stats clarified for what he was full full, full PPR points. But this guy still was a productive guy as a second fiddle in in an offense. He got paid to be the top receiver for the Jets. He's going to be probably featured at least early on in the season in a lot of ways as Elijah Moore kind of becomes that guy. So I like Corey Davis here. Uh, I look at kind of other guys on the board. To me, he's got a a safe floor with possible upside. Then we have... Losing my spot here on this draft. David Johnson comes off the board. You can't... I don't know if you can draft a Houston Texan running back. We had... I think we're going to talk about this in tomorrow's episode a little bit more in depth, but you had Philip Lindsay come in and take the majority of the carries. David Johnson essentially get relegated to a passing down role, which you're saying more and more is going to be the case during the season. Mark Ingram didn't play supposedly because he's being treated like the starter. So we have no idea what's going on in this backfield. I'm staying away from it. My stance on Houston is you don't draft them. Whoever, whoever does get drafted is probably going to be available on the waiver wire sooner rather than later. You let this thing play out, and if somebody emerges, you come back and revisit it because running backs in the NFL always do have value. 
Yeah, I think the only thing, me being the PPR league, I don't think it's too bad of a pick because you're, even if he does play that third down Duke Johnson role, we both expect Texans to suck this year and expect them to be down quite often in the limited pass catchers they do have on that offense. He could be have a decent game here or there. And I think it's a decent option with what's up on the board. But in standard leagues, I'm not touching this guy or that backfield. Yeah, 100, 100% there uh, with you. Devin Singletary comes off the board after that. Logan Thomas, A.J. Dillon. Chris, you go ahead and take Elijah Moore there in the 10th round. Yeah, I'm kind of got my handcuffing, so to speak, in place. If Davis isn't the guy, and as the season kind of progresses, I have the kind of guy who I think will eventually be the top dog in the receiving for the Jets. Um, and I think that maybe you have some weeks where they both can eat. So I kind of like having the options of kind of the matchups as well. Um, I've talked about in some other shows where I like to have the choice, depending on what corners you're facing or what kind of defense you're facing, um, you know, who I'd rather play that week and kind of narrows it down for me. So if I see a certain team, Elijah Moore is playing the slot, he's got a great advantage, I might go Elijah Moore. If I see that they're going to be able to try to take him away, then I think I'll go Corey Davis. So I kind of get my own handcuff at the receiver position in a sense. Marquise Brown comes off after that. Ryan Tannehill, I like the value there in the 10th round. He's in my top 10 quarterbacks. We're seeing defenses. Computers all over the place. This might happen in your home drafts, though, so this is why we do this and prepare for any different situation you might be in. But all of a sudden, defenses are coming off the board here. Tampa Bay, Washington, 10th round. Uh, too early, in case you're wondering. Irv Smith, that's crazily too high. Michael Pittman comes off, and then we get to my pick. I take Michael Gallup. Again, sticking with my theme, that wide receiver three is going to be a boomer bust shot for me. Last year, with all the turmoil at quarterback after Dak went down, Michael Gallup essentially being the odd man left out when it came to an Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, still finishes wide receiver 38 in a PPR league, still actually had a better season than I think people realize. He's still a very good wide receiver. I think with Dak in there, Michael Gallup is going to be a guy that you can take a home run hit on, especially when you're playing against the NFC East where nobody has corners. Not even Washington has corners. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and he was very productive last year, and especially in games that Dak Prescott played. So I think Michael Gallup's a great shot, especially this late in the in draft. Tyler Higby comes off one of my favorite sleeper tight ends here in the 10th round. Pittsburgh's defense, computer again, going cray-cray. Rashad Bateman goes off here in the 11th round. Baltimore Ravens defense, come back to me. Decided I was going to go ahead in the 11th round, grab Janu Smith, one of my last sleeper last sleeper tight ends because of his ADP. But again, guy, I'm very, very confident will be the top 12 tight end. I'm very, very confident he will be the top targeted pass catcher in this Patriots offense. I don't care if it's Cam Newton. I don't care if it's Mac Jones. This offense is going to be built around Janu Smith and Hunter Henry when it comes to passing, when it comes to the red zone. And for everybody who has concerns about the Cam Newton arm, which a lot of people do, myself included, you don't have to throw the ball 20 yards down the field to hit the tight end. So that Janu Smith's going to be perfect for that situation. Yeah, and a red zone monster as well. I think that a lot of people are just underestimating what Janu Smith brings to this offense. And exactly to your point that they kind of were hating on him because of Cam Newton. I would actually have the opposite effect. I think Cam Newton's going to utilize tight end. We saw Alex Smith do that last year a lot. Alex Smith has no arm, can't push the ball down the field anymore. But you saw a lot of Logan Thomas. So I think you're going to see a lot of the tight ends be heavily involved. Exactly. Exact. Great comparison, too, by the way. Uh, 49ers defense comes off. The Rams defense comes off. Darnell Moody, Gus Edwards, Curtis Samuel, and then Mike Williams getting to Chris's pick. He decides to take my handcuff, essentially, the tight end position and go with Hunter Henry. 
Yeah, I mean, kind of to your point in the tight end position, I think it's, it's going to be definitely paid both these guys to be featured in the offense. And I think that you're going to see that definitely materialize. You know, Hunter Henry has some injury concerns. So I'm just kind of basically making sure that I have somebody who I think has upside tight end position and I can sit there and plug in and feel comfortable when he is healthy. Um, and then I was hoping Janu Smith was going to fall down. But once you kind of jumped on him, the guys I left on my board, Hunter Henry is the next guy on my tight end position. And then we get to Naeem Hines coming off the board after that. Somebody taking a shot on Deshaun Watson. He's not. He's still not on my quarterback board at all. I don't even have him ranked, given the circumstances going on with him. Hunter uh, Henry Ruggs comes off. Baker Mayfield. And then, Chris, you backed yourself up with Adam Troutman in 12. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I knew Hunter Henry does have some injury concerns. I do expect that when he's healthy and be involved, but I want to make sure I have a good handcuff in place. I want to make sure I have some kind of options in tight end position because I do think that it's important that if you don't have one of the top tier guys, that you're able to kind of choose the best of both worlds and then be able to have a guy that based on matchup, you can kind of maybe match some of those higher tight ends. So I, I kind of think where Trotman's going to have an opportunity to have a little bit of a breakout season for the Saints. I like his talent. I like his skill set. I think pairing with Henry is a good insurance for me. Yeah, agreed. Again, one of my big sleeper tight ends. We know that he is in a great position for volume. We haven't seen it yet. That's true. And sometimes it takes three years for tight ends to break out, especially ones that aren't drafted you know, in the first round, which Adam Troutman was not. But by default, I don't know who else they're going to go to in the red zone on a consistent basis. So I think you've got a good shot there, Adam Troutman, to provide you with the sleeper value that we're hoping for. Evan Ingram comes off. And then Miko Hardman, people consistently taking shots on him in the 12th round. I don't have a problem with it. At this point, guys start to become waiver wire chum. Anyway, take your shots where you feel like there might be some upside. Justin Fields comes off. Tony Pollard. T.Y. Hilton. That's one of my favorite guys to take actually around here. I usually wind up with him in this situation. Team 5 sniping me on that. Matt Ryan comes off. That's a little high for me there because Matt Ryan's my QB 15 and he doesn't have a lot of upside. I would rather go different ways than having a guy that is really just going to be a streaming quarterback for me at the end of the day. I wound up taking Jamal Williams. Typically speaking, I don't look to draft handcuffs because I want to maximize my roster as much as humanly possible. But in this situation, because we're in the 12th round, I have DeAndre Swift. And because Jamal Williams, I think, will be involved enough where the argument could be made based on the matchup that he could actually be a borderline flex play even with Swift out there. I think he's a little bit more than a handcuff in that sense. And again, DeAndre Swift has a concussion issues dealing with a groin injury at the moment. Like I said, 12th round becomes waiver wire chum. I'm okay with taking Jamal Williams. It's one of the few handcuffs I would take here in this situation. I think it's actually a really good pick. I mean, we saw Anthony Lynn, who's offensive coordinator for Detroit, always kind of feature that power back in a lot of different ways. So I think that when you look at Jamal Williams, he fits that role quite well. The coaching staff talk, did nothing but talk him up the whole entire offseason. That's why Swift's kind of fallen in some people's eyes as well because they're kind of concerned when they keep talking about we have RB1 with a Jamal Williams in our backfield. We saw him split time with Corey Dillon, not Corey Slab, I'm sorry, Aaron Jones last year and kind of be a guy that was, you know, pretty effective from here and then and week in, week out. And we think he's going to be heavily involved in this offense because their team's going to be built around the running back position over, overall. Devontae Parker comes off the board after that. Kirk Cousins, Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby of all kickers coming off in the 13th round. Trey Lance comes off the board. We get back to me, and I'm I'm going with Amon Ross St. Brown here. I, there's a chance that he could be the number one receiver for Detroit. 
I do think there's going to be a lot of garbage time. We know Jared Goff loves his slot receivers, particularly bigger-bodied slot receivers. Tyro Williams, Rashad Perryman, we've seen these guys in action. They've never really been able to take advantage and become the guy. I think St. Brown's in a good situation here to be a sleeper in this territory. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that this is a guy that he has some upside. As the season progresses, you'll probably see him be featured more and more because both Terrell Williams and Perryman are only on one-year deals as well. So there's no incentive for Detroit necessarily to play with some of those older guys as they become you know, noticeably out of the playoffs as the season progresses. And I think he's going to be a nice little guy to have, especially in the playoff run. And then we have uh, Justin Tucker come off, Ryan Suckup, all of a sudden a run on kickers, Russell Gage, Nelson Aguilar, Harrison Buckner, Buffalo Bills defense. And then, Chris, you always take this guy here in this round to attack a Lavoa. Yeah, two is one of my big sleeper quarterbacks going into the year. People have written this guy off, but I think that you look at the talent he has as well as legs. I think that's kind of forgotten about. Two, it can run. And he has things here before he's got a lot of side with the receivers they brought in. The offense is going to be built around him. And I think he's going to utilize his legs a lot more this year because he's more healthy than he has been. Young Hoku comes off the Indianapolis Colts and then the New England Patriots. Chris, you're taking your first defense here in the 14th round. Yeah, this is one of the top defenses actually on my board. I love the Patriots going in this year. They get a lot of guys back that were out last year for COVID. Um, they actually added some pass rushers. Their secondary is one of the best in the NFL, and I love their take to be able to take the ball away. So the guys kind of having actually a better, better pass rush match with the team that already causes a lot of turnovers to me is a match made in heaven. When Bill Belichick has good corners, that's when he's always at his best with his defense. So I'm with you on that. When he doesn't, that's when it gets a little susceptible. When he always has his corners, he's always very good. Jason Sanders comes off the board. We see Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, Matt Prater coming off here, Marvin Jones. That's I think that's really good value there, Marvin Jones in the 14th round. Maybe not the most upside in the world, but a floor play. And a guy I think you're going to be able to plug and play in your lineup that you're getting the 14th round pick. Can't complain there. And then we see Philip Lindsay. And then I come back here on the clock looking to make my pick. I'm going to be looking for a quarterback to go with Jalen Hurts back here. Just somebody who I know I might stream, but I want to pair him up. And I'm going to go with another runner in Cam Newton, who is my QB 15. I expect him to still get his rushing abilities, still get his rushing touchdowns. And I've said this to you, Chris, with the Patriots. I think they're going to be a round 500 team competing for a wild card spot. And as long as that is the case, I think there's a real chance that Mac Jones does not play unless there's a Cam Newton injury. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I think New England's way better than people expected him to be this year. And they're built for Cam to kind of be the quarterback, especially the tight ends, the upgrades in the offensive line. I think they're going to be a very physical team. Uh, I think Cam's got some upside and should be able to be pretty productive last year, even despite all the negativity towards his going his way. Um, and I, I may have some other quarterbacks higher than Cam, but I like the idea where you're kind of pairing a runner with a runner and you make sure you have a safe floor at the quarterback position. Yeah, at pretty much at all times too. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take Gio Bernard. It's a PPR league. I think there's a real chance he plays a lot more than people are going to realize. I mean, I, I think there's a real chance he's going to play a lot more than people realize. And with him, with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones not being the best pass catchers, we know how much Tom Brady used James White. James White had a year where he finishes an RB two just catching the ball there's a chance that could be Gene by Bernard in this situation. I couldn't agree more. You basically just stole my pick that I was hoping was going to fall to me. Um, I had Gio on my board. I think Gio is somebody that people have kind of forgotten about. We've seen this guy be very utilized in Cincinnati in that third down role. And I've heard nothing but glowing reports out of camp from Tampa Bay with him. 
I think Tom Brady is going to look for this guy, especially on third downs. I think he's going to be involved a lot. Um, I think that I would have actually these questions about Geo's involvement versus the other two running backs who went way ahead of him in this draft, especially in a PPR league. And then after that, went Gerald Everett. I do like the sleeper tight end there. And we start to see some handcuffs come off the board. Devontae Booker, Chuba Hubbard, Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, which doesn't have much value in any situation to me. Alexander Madison. Chris, we're going to wait on your pick here on the clock. We're in the 15th round. I think things are going really well for our two teams so far, especially, you know, we've gone through some picks. Why, you know, roster construction. Roster construction is the key on draft day. Setting yourself you up. You want to pause that draft then? You're picking. Oh, I thought you said you're, you're going to. No, you're, you're on the clock. Okay, my bad. That's why I was talking for you. You went with okay. Greg Zerlin. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I just thought you were, you were asking. You were going to take a break there, so that's my bad. Uh, you took Greg Zerlin there with your pick. Oh, yeah. I love Greg Delek. I mean, this guy's been one of the top kickers over the last few years. He's very productive in Dallas last year. I know people are a little concerned that he's been injured. I'm not worried until about it until actually he's ruled out for any kind of like the, you know, the rest of the season to begin with. You know, kickers don't need practice necessarily. His leg's not going to go anywhere. And this offense is going to be highly potent. So I'm, I'm extremely excited that he actually fell to me. Terrace Marshall comes off the board after you. I like that pick. Here's a sleeper in the 15th round. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson's a little bit banged up. He's going to get some extra reps. Joe Brady really likes him because he has that college repertoire with there with him. So you have that. Uh, I don't know if he's definitely, you know, this is a shot here in the, in the 15th round, but Terrace Marshall makes some sense here to go with as far as, you know, lottery tickets in these rounds. After that, Gabriel Davis comes off. Again, kind of a similar mold of a Terrace Marshall may have some value if certain things go his way, especially with Emmanuel Sanders waiting for Chris to make his last pick here as we're wrapping up the 16th round in this PPR mock draft. It's a good time to remind you guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Show. We go live every Thursday and Friday through August. We'll be five times a week come the regular season. We'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network tonight, unhingedsn.airtime.pro at 6 to 7.30. Make sure you tune in for that. And you're subscribing to us on all your favorite pod streaming apps because we're always available to you guys there. We're going to be pumping out a lot of content between now and the season. Of course, during the season, we'll be off the chain. Chris, you took one of my guys that I love in taking the 16th round, and that's Marquez Calloway. Yeah, we're going to talk about tomorrow's show a little bit, some of our receivers. I will let the cat out of the bag a little bit for myself. That Marquez Calloway is definitely on my list. I think this guy's got a lot of upside. He's done nothing but positive things out of camp. And we both talked about, you know, kind of our concern about Michael Thomas as lengthy as he's going to be out for. What he can do in the meantime can be productive. In the worst case scenario, he loses his job. He's not involved in the second half of the season. I have another roster spot to kind of use. But in the beginning of the season, I have somebody I think I can plug and play. 100%. Rashad Penny comes off the Miami Dolphins defense. Trey Quan Smith all the way in the 16th round. Ryan Fitzpatrick, nice pick there. Sammy Watkins, Jacoby Myers. I take Jason Myers for my kicker. Again, just looking for kickers in high-scoring offenses once you get down to the lower tier. Wrap it up with Robbie Gold and Jared Cook. So that does it for the draft. Hopefully you guys got some good tips of what to expect. Some curveballs being thrown, but now it is time. The mail's here. The mail is here. And anytime you want to get on the mailbag show or have your questions, concerns, comments answered by us, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. All right, Chris, let's do this rapid fire style. Morris asked, the first pick in a 10-team, two-quarterback league, 
Do you take Christian McCaffrey or do you take Patrick Mahomes? I stick with McCaffrey. I understand the value of the quarterback position, but because we both talked about, there's a lot of depth of this quarterback coming into this year. So there's not guys that I have so much different than Patrick Mahomes that I wouldn't necessarily wait for if I have an opportunity to get Christian McCaffrey with my first pick. I tend to agree with this, uh, especially since it's a 10-team league here. For the 12-man league, I might go Patrick Mahomes just because the quarterbacks could fly off. But because it's a 10-team league, you're still probably going to be able to get a couple of quarterbacks in the second and third round on that turn that you're going to be pretty happy with. To get Christian McCaffrey, I think, would be a bigger key in that situation. Winston, he asked Travis Etienne, Mike Davis, or Miles Gaskin in a half-point PPR league. This becomes a very bleak situation. Go ahead. I would probably go with Davis because I think he has the safest opportunity to be a starter and most involved right off the bat. And probably as, as long as he's healthy, become be the primary back with other guys have more question marks in my book. We kind of talked about Gaskin, you know, and then I told you why I wasn't a big fan of ETN. I don't necessarily know what his role is going to be as the season goes on. Yeah. As far as all three of these guys, I think it completely depends on what round you're talking about drafting them. Mike Davis should be the first one drafted out of this group. Miles Gaskin probably shouldn't even be in this conversation anymore. Travis Etienne, though, does still have the most upside of this group. But again, it comes down to what round are you in when you're looking at these guys? Mike Davis should be drafted first. Brian asks, Tyreek Hill or Austin Eckler in the first round of a PPR league? Um, I'm in on record of not being a huge Eckler fan. And you know, it's PPR. I don't be involved in the passing game. We don't know how healthy he's always is. We don't know his touchdown production is going to be. So I definitely go with Hill. Yeah, I go with Hill too. Hill is my number one wide receiver. I have him ahead of Stephon Diggs. I have him ahead of Devontae Adams. Again, I think there is another ceiling on this offense that we might get to see that we haven't because of this offensive line, including more deep balls to Tyreek Hill. Love him a lot. Also, he's been able to stay healthy, actually, for the most part, the past couple of seasons. Also something to kind of take into consideration. Last question, Miller. He asked, 10-team standard league, what round would you consider a quarterback? The, the highest I would go, we kind of talked about earlier, is the third round. I think that's maybe the highest you can actually think about taking a Patrick Mahomes, perhaps. But because of the depth that we keep hitting on, I'm not reaching on one of the first two rounds. Now, for me, it's the fifth round. If one of the elite guys are in the fifth round, I'll think about it. Otherwise, I'm waiting until that eighth, ninth round before I even start considering a quarterback myself. And we have the poll question to wrap up the show with. After watching Cam Newton in a preseason, what is your confidence level on him this year? I kind of just wanted to see it. Uh, starts all season, benched by week eight or benched after week eight. 74% benched by week eight. I disagree, unless he gets injured. I, but I disagree. It, the wheels would have to fall off for Cam Newton to get benched that early. Yeah, I can't agree more. The only concern I have with Cam Newton basically, quote-unquote, getting benched is somehow he starts becoming a college situation where they kind of split time where you have the running back, running quarterback, and the throwing quarterback. Maybe that happens at some point during the season and they try to get cute. But overall, I think Cam Newton, as long as the new Patriots are competitive, and he is a starter going into the season, harming the starter for, for the most part. Yeah, I think he starts all year unless he gets injured. That's going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Make sure, again, you check it out on your favorite pod streaming app or listen to it on the Unhinged Radio Network tonight from 6 to 730 at Pro. Make sure you're subscribing to us on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow and subscribe on our YouTube channel, The MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll see you guys tomorrow for our Best 5, Bus 5, Sleeper 5 wide receivers at 11 a.m., at Belly Up MDFF Show. Check out the live stream, and we'll see you guys all again tomorrow.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.